Hey everyone, this is Chris Vaught, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to the Gospel of St. John. Now, I want to set this up for you. When you turn to John chapter 16, Jesus here is with his disciples, and just so that everyone knows what's going on, Judas has just betrayed him. Question, how many believe uh, if you are Jesus and you have just spent three and a half years feeding into this core group of disciples, you have given them your life, You are telling them about the Father. You are ministering to them. And at the Last Supper, knowing you're about to be crucified in less than 24 hours, you have have a dinner, the Passover meal with those disciples, and you know that the very disciple who dips the bread with you in the cup is the same one who has already agreed to sell you to the authorities for 30 pieces of silver How many of you know that would be a tough night to go through? Jesus went through an evening where his own disciple Judas sold him out. And let me tell you about how much integrity Jesus had in the moment. Jesus did not call out Judas in front of the other disciples. Jesus says, the one who dips with me is the one who's betrayed me. And and Judas dips. And the Bible says, Jesus looks at Judas and says, what you got to do, go do quickly. And he got up and he left. And if you read the Gospel of John, here's what is very interesting. The Bible specifically says all the other disciples didn't catch on to what Judas was doing. They thought Judas was just going to go buy more food because he was the treasurer of the group. How many know you got to watch those church treasurers? Now, that's a joke. That's a joke. And just let me tell you, when you give at Connection Point Church, we are audited monthly, and so it's safe and secure. All right, I just thought I'd better bring that out. Uh, but, but Judas got up. No one caught on that he was betraying the Lord. But how many know Jesus knew? And when you pick that up, if you're reading the Gospel of John, you pick that up and you start reading John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16. All of those chapters are happening in the moment of the Last Supper. All of that teaching came out within just a matter of a few hours. And when you come to John chapter 16 and you come to verse 1, Jesus makes this startling declaration. Jesus tells the disciples that everything he is teaching them in those three chapters, Jesus says, verse 1, I'm teaching you that you might not stumble. How many know that God understands when you're going through a tough season? Right now, our world is going through COVID-19. None of us saw this coming. None of us expected this to happen. None of us thought our church would be uh, not allowing people on the physical premises for two and a half months. None of us believed what we would be going through. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you have been sick. Some of you lost someone in this crisis and wasn't able to have someone else to come and comfort you in the midst of your pain. Your life has been turned upside down, but can I tell everyone in this auditorium and everyone watching in their 
their homes right now. Can I just tell you, God knows your pain and he understands and he gives us this powerful passage in John to let you know that he understands when your world is turned upside down and when it is, he's got a word for you to keep you from stumbling. He's got a word for you in the moments when you feel like you can't get up and you can't go on and you don't know how you're going to face tomorrow. God's got a word for us to tell you. He knows the way you can get through this. If you believe you're going to get through this by the power of God and the help of Jesus Christ, I dare you to give him three seconds of a shout right now. Three seconds. I have waited two and a half months to be able to ask you to do that. So you got to do it right there in your living room, right there. So I know I'm going to get through this. How do you know? Because Jesus promised you would. I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to go to John chapter 16. I want you to go to verse 7 uh, and look, or verse 5, 6 or 7 and look at it there with me. Let's turn there. Verse 5. Jesus says these words. Read it with me. If you got your message notes and you're watching, let's go. Jesus says, but now I'm going away. I'm going away to him who sent me. Who's Jesus going back to? His father. I'm going away back to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things to you. Watch this. Sorrow has filled your heart. Stop for a moment. Don't just read the Bible. Read it. How is the room... What is the atmosphere? What is the temperature in the room while Jesus is speaking? Somber. There is sorrow. If you follow Jesus Christ, will you ever go through seasons of sorrow and somber? Will there ever be seasons that you just absolutely don't understand what in the world is going on? You may be there right now. Amen. Jesus was there this night with his disciples, and Jesus, look at it, says, because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Look at verse 17. Everybody read that out loud right there in your living room. Read it out loud. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Does Jesus lie? No, Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth. What's this truth? It is to your advantage. Shout, it's better for me. Right there in your living room, just shout it. Something's better for me. Watch this. It's to your advantage that I go away. Whoa, wait a minute. How many believe right then, right there, one of the disciples checked out mentally? Maybe more than one. Probably two or three, right? Somebody just checked out. Maybe you in your living room, you just checked out. Why? Because how in the world could it be to our advantage for Jesus who was here on earth as God in the flesh go back to heaven and say, this is better for you that I'm going away? How in the world could Jesus say that and be serious? Because he just got through saying, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. (laughs) It's better to you. It's for your advantage that I go away. I know some of the disciples had to be sitting there saying, what does he mean by this? Keep reading the verse. For if I do not go away, the helper, shout helper, shout him right there in your living room, shout helper, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus says, I'm about to go back to my father and believe it or not, guys, it's better for you that I go away because if I go away, I can send you the helper. 
I can send you the helper if I go away. And you know some of the disciples was like, this is, this is, this is crazy. This is nonsense. We were with Jesus. When Jesus was with us on the boat and the storm came and we all thought we were going to sink, Jesus came walking on the water and got in the boat. And the minute Jesus said, peace be still, the water stopped. That's pretty good. We were there when we were all hungry with 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. They were all over the place, people everywhere, and everybody looking for a handout. And all we had was a little boy's sack lunch. But when Jesus took it, everybody had all they could eat and then leftovers for the next day. And all the women shouted, praise the Lord. <laughs> when we were Jesus, even death couldn't stop. Because we were there with him when he raised up Jairus' uh, daughter and Lazarus from the dead. We saw it happen. And now Jesus says, catch this everyone, are you with me? Listen to me. Jesus says, it's better for you that I'm going away. I want to give you the big takeaway. Normally I save the big takeaway to the end of the sermon. Last week I was so into the sermon I never gave the big takeaway. So I'm giving it to you first. And then the rest of the sermon backs it up. Are you with me? Are you ready for the big takeaway? Those of you at home, are you ready? Type it in, write it down. Here we go. You already have all the help you need. Or if somebody got a hold of that in this room, I believe you would have shouted. How about you in your living room? I want you to get this. Here's what Jesus is teaching us in John chapter 16. Because he went back to the Father, here's what Jesus is going to teach us. You already have all of the help that you need. Amen? Jesus didn't leave us helpless. When Jesus said, I'm going back to my Father and it's going to be better for you, he knew what he was talking about. He had a purpose. He had a plan. He wasn't, he wasn't just having one of those moments, you know, that we have and we say something we really don't mean. He knew exactly what he was talking about. He said, I'm telling you, it's going to be better for you because the helper's going to come. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to just give you a good introduction today about our helper. And over the next five weeks, we're going to look at the elements found in the Bible that illustrate the help that has already come. Somebody shout the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this. Go with me now to John chapter 14. Let's read together. John chapter 14, Jesus says these words. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. And everybody shout this next line right there in your living room. Come on. And will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. If you're taking notes, take your pen there with your Bible and let's circle a couple of words here, key words here. Ready? Go back. And I will pray the Father and he will give you, circle the next two words, another helper. Say that with me, everyone. Another helper. You say, what, what, why is that so important to circle? Well, here's the reason why. That word another that Jesus used in the Greek, I'm going to give you the definition for it. It's the word alos. And it means just like the one before. 
Now, a moment ago, I told you. <laughs> this is so good. Man, I hope somebody gets a hold of this because I've been waiting all weekend to preach it. Jesus says, it's better for you that I'm going away because if I go away, I'm going to send the comforter to you. How in the world could it be better then when you had Jesus walking with the disciples? <laughs> Jesus says, I'm going to pray and the Father's going to send you another, Alos, one just like the one before. So who came before? Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh, right? God the Son. So you've got the Trinity here, God the Father, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So whoever Jesus says, I'm going to pray the Father to send you, has to be at the same level, the same equivalency as of the one before of Jesus. So who is coming? Not just some little old spirit. Jesus says, I'm telling you who's coming. He's the third member of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son. Now the God, the Holy Spirit is coming for you. And I'm going to pray the Father, and he's going to come. And let me tell you what the Holy Spirit is going to do. He's going to be your helper. Circle that word helper. There in the Greek, the word helper means paralikos. And uh, it means one who is called to come beside another. Mm. Mm, one called to come beside another. You may, in a translation, it may come out as helper, comforter, counselor, or advocate. All of it means the same. What is it? The Holy Spirit of God comes in to walk alongside you and to be with you and to help you because He comes in the name of Jesus. He doesn't glorify Himself. He never brags on Himself. He always, the Bible says, brags about Jesus. He comes alongside the other to be the help that you need. I gave you the big takeaway already once. I want you there at home to say it out loud. I want everybody in the to say it out loud with me. All our volunteers, because how many, hey, volunteers, I need to tell you where your help comes from. I want to tell our people at home today where their help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. And the big takeaway today is you already have all the help that you need. Why? Because the Spirit of the living God has been sent down for you. Amen? Now, let's, uh, let's get a good backing, a good understanding about the help of the Lord. Take your message notes. I'm going to give you several fill-in-the-blanks real quick, all based off of this John 14 passage. If you're looking at the passage, shout, I am. You watching online? Look at the verse. Jesus says that he may abide with you. Circle that word he and write this down. The Holy Spirit is not an it, but a he. You know why a lot of people are living powerless within religion? It's because they think of the Holy Spirit as an it, not a he. They think the Holy Spirit's just some impersonable force that comes along every so often, maybe helps you come to salvation, maybe will help you when you really need a good blessing, a good prayer. If the music's turned up just right, if the beat's just right, if the tone in the singer's voice is just right, hair will stand up on the back of your neck or on your arms, and you will say, whoo, 
the Holy Spirit showed up. We'll talk about the Holy Spirit like it's just some impersonable force. And I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit's not some impersonable force. He has a name. He has a personality. He is as much God as God the Father and as much God as God the Son. He is the third member of the Trinity. And listen, I want to tell you, He was there at the beginning. And when you read Genesis 1, it was the Spirit of God that hovered over the face of the earth. And when God spoke, it was the Spirit that did the work and put things together and brought about life. Somebody shout, the Holy Spirit. Say it with me, there is not an it, but a He. Now, where does the Holy Spirit abide? What does that mean? What will he do? Jesus says, he may abide with you. The word abide, write this down, means dwells, takes up residence, remains, and lives in. Oh, this is so good. I hope hope some of you get a hold of this. Because when the Holy Spirit moves in, listen to me, he doesn't just come on Sundays. The Holy Spirit doesn't just show up when you're praying. The Holy Spirit doesn't just show up when you're singing worship songs. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and go when we read the Old Testament. We read of how the Holy Spirit would come upon folks at various times. The Spirit would come upon David when he played and he sang and he danced. He would come upon Samuel and he would prophesy. The Spirit would come upon, but there's something that happened when Jesus came and paid your sin debt and he went to heaven. He said, I will pray the Father and the Spirit will come. But the Holy Spirit doesn't come now and then leave. He comes upon you and he stays and he abides, and he takes up residence on the inside of you. You've got as much Holy Spirit on Monday as you do on Sunday. The question is, how do you respond to the Holy Spirit, and how much control do you give him? That's why the big takeaway is what it is. One more time, I want to see how many remember the big takeaway. You already have all the help that you need. You know, I was going to say this. I believe three months ago, the devil thought he was going to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. He was going to close churches down because of COVID. Churches closed down. People thought, oh, churches won't stay open after this. People around here, oh, they just built that brand new building. Oh, they ain't going to pay the bills. I want to tell you what the devil didn't take into his equation. That the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in four walls. The Spirit of God is inside the people of God. We didn't stop doing ministry. We didn't stop being the church. We've seen people come to salvation while we've been out at home. God is still moving. The bills got paid anyway. How about you at home? Did God touch your life? Has he moved in you? I've heard testimony of people that's come closer to Jesus because they were forced to look seriously at their faith at home than they did when they took him for granted when they could come to church on Sunday. I'm praying when you do come back to this campus, we will never be the same. We won't take anything for granted. We'll shout when we're walking in through the parking lot. We won't even wait for the music to start. We'll be preaching and witnessing and giving and serving. And we'll go out and do it on Monday just like we did on Sunday. Amen? I feel like preaching, D. Come on. But I got too many points. They already told me. I gave you 19 fill-in-the-blanks. So I got to move on. 
How, <laughs> how will he abide in you? How long? Write it down. He abides in you forever. Now, who does he abide in? Does the Holy Spirit abide in everybody? No. The Holy Spirit abides in the one who receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who receives the gift of salvation by repenting of their sin and trusting in Christ to be their Savior. It's at the moment when you repent of your sin and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me, that the Bible says you are born again. Your first birth, first birth was by flesh and blood, but your second birth is by the Spirit of God. And you cannot be born again without the Spirit of God waking you up and giving you eternal life. Wow, sweet is the assurance of our salvation when you realize you didn't earn your salvation. It was birthed in you by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is in you and will never leave. And so therefore that salvation is in you and will never leave. Look at this amazing verse, Ephesians chapter 1. Read it there with me off your notes. Read Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. Everybody? At home, in the room, read. In him you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. You see the process? When you heard the word of truth, when you heard the gospel, when you heard the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ alone, who paid your sin debt, when you believed it and received him, what did the Holy Spirit do in that moment? He gave you new birth, and he sealed you to the day of redemption. That's the day you're called home to be with the Lord forever. I just wonder if there's anybody today who knows that you have been saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit that could give him five seconds of a thank you for saving me and sealing me. Amen? Amen? Now you're there in your living room. If you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you that right now you can receive him. He will seal you to the day of redemption and give you eternal life. The Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Right now, right where you are, would you like to know the Holy Spirit of God would seal you for redemption and come and live inside you and abide with you forever? I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sin. I receive you right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And I want to tell you, if you pray and receive him, he will save you and seal you and abide in you forever. If you believe that today, just shout amen. amen. Now, why does he come in? Why does he move in? Why does the Holy Spirit come in? 
because he wants to anoint you. I want you to write this down. He wants to anoint you. In the Bible, you'll read about the anointing of the Holy Spirit or the anointing of oil. The word anointing literally means to rub into. And what they would do, there's a picture here in the Bible. They would take oil. And they would take this oil, this anointing oil, and they would anoint or consecrate buildings or people for the service of God. James says, if you're sick, come and let the elders pray over you, anointing you with oil. Why? Oil is symbolic in the Bible of the Holy Spirit's touch, the anointing. Here's what I want you to write down. The anointing means consecrated or set apart for God's service. Say that with me. Set apart for God's service. Now, let me give you some truths here that we all need to understand. Here we go. Write it down. God doesn't anoint you with his Holy Spirit for your enjoyment, but for your employment. Oh, that was so good. That just kind of passed over you, didn't it? It may have passed over some of you at home. Let me say it one more time. God doesn't anoint you for your enjoyment, though you can enjoy the presence of the Lord. But if that's all you get out of the Holy Spirit, you are at surface level Christianity elementary school basic 101. The Holy Spirit doesn't anoint you for your enjoyment. He anoints you for your employment. Jesus is speaking to the disciples that he is about to give the responsibility to take the gospel to the entire world. Don't you know that the power of God was given for more than goosebumps? Oh, I'm going to get real for a minute. Don't you realize that God has given you help for more than just to give you 15 minutes of a shout? The Holy Spirit was given to the church for more than a Sunday morning worship service. The Holy Spirit of God has been given to us for our employment to be used for the work of the kingdom. Romans 8 says we need to have our minds enlightened by the Spirit of God because when we think about spiritual things from a carnal perspective, it leads to death. When you have the wrong perspective of the Holy Spirit, you do nothing and the world goes to hell. But in Romans chapter 8, if we think through the Spirit, we'll mind the things of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit of God will remind us that you weren't saved just for you. Has God redeemed you and saved you? He's not saved you just for you. There at your home, look at your family and tell them, my salvation is for you as well and for my coworkers, and for my classmates, and for my future spouse, and for my future children, and for my grandbabies. God doesn't save you just for you. If he did, the moment you received Christ, he would took you straight to heaven. If you've got air in your lungs today, it's because God's not done with you. You say, well, wait a minute. I've received Christ. I'm saved. Is there something left for me, or am I just waiting to die so I can go to heaven? You're not waiting to die. God's waiting for you to start living and to realize you've got a plan and he's got a purpose and God has saved you and anointed you for service. You already got all the help you need. 
I was 16 years old when God began to move on me. I couldn't even order at McDonald's. My wife ordered my food for me. That's no lie. You can ask her, she'll tell you. By 18 years old, I was standing behind a pulpit preaching the gospel. Couldn't carry on a conversation with one other person, but I could stand and preach. No figure. How did that happen? The Holy Spirit empowered me to do what I couldn't do without him. God has called you, not for your enjoyment, but your employment. Write this down. God wants to anoint you. Why does God want to anoint you? So he can empower you. God, the Holy Spirit wants to empower you. Everybody in the room, we have our volunteers here today. I need our volunteers to say this out loud with me. God wants to empower me. Say it again. God wants to empower me. You watching at home, why does God want you to have the Holy Spirit anointing? So he can empower you. What does he want to empower you to do? Well, listen to Romans 8, 11. If you ever doubt how much power is inside of you as a believer, go read Romans 8, 11. Are you with me? Romans 8, 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you, then that same spirit that lives inside you that rose Jesus from the dead will quicken or make alive your mortal body. In other words, he said, if the spirit of God can raise Jesus up from the dead, just think about what he can do on you in a moment's notice. You see, sometimes people read that verse and they think, oh, that just means I have eternal life. No, no. He's not talking about you being dead. He's talking about you, go read it in context. He's talking about you coming alive in a moment. Now let me tell you some truths about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not your tool. He's not your superpower for you to misuse and use however you choose and when you choose. On the day of Pentecost, People came from 18 other countries and was there in the city of Jerusalem to celebrate from multiple countries. And no one in that upper room prayed and said, Lord, right now, I'm gonna command the Holy Spirit to give me the ability to go preach the gospel in a language I don't know so that others can hear and take the gospel into their home countries. That's exactly what God did, but the disciples didn't know that was what was about to happen. Who prompted the moment on the day of Pentecost? Not the disciples, they're just praying and surrendering. The Holy Spirit came in and he anointed them and he gave them the ability. He is not your puppet, we're his. Amen? We don't use him, the Holy Spirit wants to use you. And he will use you and anoint you and give you gifts that you didn't even know you had. And you won't know until the spirit moves and you put yourself in a position to be used by the Lord. And you say, God, I'm open to the Holy Spirit. He'll use you in ways you never dreamed. I have a friend, Morris. He watches us every week. So hi to Morris in Florida. God bless you, brother. Suffering for Jesus in Florida. And he watches. I love Morris. Him, he and I, grew up together preaching the gospel. And I remember Morris was down in Central America, knew very little Spanish. And he's down in Central America in one of them little mission churches. He was preaching with a translator and he just was struggling because he didn't feel like the word was getting across. It's hard to preach with a translator. 
And he felt like the, the message wasn't getting across. And all of a sudden, he just opened himself up and said, oh, Lord, use me. Help me, Holy Spirit. And I want you to know what happened in that moment. The Holy Spirit anointed him. The dude preached the rest of the sermon in fluid Spanish. And he didn't even know what he was saying. People were getting saved. Lives were being changed. Walked out of there saying, I'm telling you, that was not me. That was the Lord. I'm just gonna tell you, you already got all the help you need. He wants to empower you, write this down, for the task he gives you to do. You don't know what the Holy Spirit will do for you until you just surrender to him and say, Lord, use me. How many of you volunteers today in this auditorium would say, Lord, use me? Come on, I wanna see some hands. I'm looking at you. I can't see my online campus, but I can see you. How many of you would say, Lord, use me? How about you at home? I can't see you, but God can. How many of you would raise both hands in your living room and say, God, use me? God, use me. He will empower you for the task he has. Listen, what else he'll do for you? Write this down. He'll help you overcome your sin. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean you go without temptation. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. The church isn't a place of condemnation, it's a place of grace. Because we're a people who've experienced grace. We've all fell down a time or two, say amen. And how many of you have ever fallen into a sin, given into a temptation that you've given into multiple times and you got up and you said, oh God, I just can't beat this. I don't know how to get over this. Well, let me tell you something. If When you find yourself in that moment, the reason you're struggling is because you're trying to overcome it alone. Look at what the Bible says here in Romans chapter 8. The Bible says, verse 13, and because you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if you by the Spirit, somebody shout by the Spirit. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by God's spirits are the sons of God. What does that mean? It means the Holy Spirit can give you the help you need to overcome that temptation. Will it be easy? No. Is it possible? Yes, by surrendering to the Holy Spirit. How about praying? How many of you have ever been in a moment where you felt so overwhelmed you didn't know how to pray? I ministered to a family that's going through cancer during this COVID just this past week. And the, the wife told me, I don't know how to pray now. I just don't even have the words to say. And I was able to share this verse with her. I'm going to share it with you because maybe this week you're going through a season where you don't know how to pray. Everything is coming around you and you just feel so beaten down and broken. Can I give you a great verse out of Romans chapter 8, verse 26? Can I tell you what the Holy Spirit will empower you to do? Write it down. He will empower you to pray when you feel overwhelmed. And listen to this verse. In the same way, 
The Spirit also helps in our weaknesses because we do not know what we should pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I love that verse. What's it mean? It means when you're overwhelmed and you don't know how to pray, you can come before God and just moan and groan before the Lord and the Spirit searches your heart and the Spirit searches your mind. And can I give everyone a good word of hope? The Spirit of God can pray for you without words and it's always in agreement with the will of God for you. Is anybody thankful we got a helper today? Amen. Let's just, let's just write this down. The helper comes to anoint us, to set us apart for ministry. Are you ready to be set apart? He anoints us to empower us. So he anoints us to employ us. Somebody shout employment. And to empower us. Somebody shout empower. For the task he calls you to do, to overcome your sin, and to help you pray when you feel overwhelmed. I want that kind of anointing. Do you want that kind of anointing? How do we position ourselves for that anointing? Well, let's go over here to this table. In Exodus chapter 30, the Bible tells us what the ingredients are that God gave to Moses for the holy anointing oil. The oil that would be symbolic of the Holy Spirit. The oil that they would use to consecrate the temple and the sacrifices and the priest. The same oil that we would use to anoint one another and pray over one another. Symbolic of the Spirit of God setting us apart for the work of God. But it's not just one ingredient. God gave a list of five ingredients and every one of them is vital to you experiencing the anointing of God on your life. The first one is simply this. The first one is olive oil. It's the base. It's the key. And the olive oil in the New Testament is, or in the Bible for, is symbolic of the Holy Spirit of God. Everybody shout the Holy Spirit. You gotta have the Holy Spirit. So when you trust Christ, you receive the Spirit of God, amen? But then there's a second element. The second element was myrrh. Now myrrh is a sap that comes out of a tree and when it comes out, it dries in the form of a teardrop. It speaks of meekness. I want you to write this down. So the first element that you add to the oil is meekness. If you want the anointing of God, you've got to come to God meek and mild. So they would add the, they would add the meekness, the myrrh. What is meekness? Meekness means power under control. Somebody shout self-control. You want the anointing of God on your life? You have to live in self-control. Everyone has emotions. Everyone has a temperament. Everyone has a mouth and we all like words. Say amen. We all have attitudes. We all have 
We have things that we like. Every one of us are individual personalities. And sometimes we explode. We explode on other people or when the situation is out of hand. But if you want to live in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the first ingredient you've got to add is to set yourself up with self-control. You've got to keep yourself under control. God cannot anoint an undisciplined life. You have to control yourself. You have to discipline yourself. You have to control your tongue. You got to control your tongue in a person, in a conversation. You got to control your fingertips when you're texting and posting on social media. You got to control your attitude in the break room or in the classroom. It's, it's keeping a spirit of meekness and self-control. The second, the third element here that you add is cinnamon. Cinnamon smells good and tastes good, amen? Especially on a sweet baked potato. Why did, the, why did God have them to add cinnamon? Because the cinnamon is taken from a tree that grows straight up 30 to 40 feet, has no crookedness at it at all. It is extremely straight up and down. The cinnamon tree, straight up, speaks of this. It speaks of being upright. It speaks of integrity. If you want the anointing of God on your life, you got to come to the Lord and receive His salvation. And then you have to add meekness, self-control. you got to live a disciplined life. Third, you've got to come to the Lord and live with integrity. you got to mean what you mean and do what you say you will do and live the way a Christian ought to live. you got to live it out. you got to live it on Monday just like you did when you walked in church on Sunday. you got to live with integrity. You put all hypocrisy aside. You come to the Lord. And the way you stand matters. Do you know, to symbolize this in the Old Testament, a priest was not allowed to have a bent back. Now, was God against their disability? No, not at all. He was making a statement that those of you who are anointed by God to serve God have got to be careful that you walk straight up. How many of you have ever had somebody say, quit slouching, straighten your back? Can I say that to you in the spirit? Listen to me, you wanna be used by the Lord, anointed by the spirit, quit slouching. Stand up straight, live with integrity. Here's the, third, uh, the next element, the fourth element, it's calamus. And calamus was a reed that, is a reed that grows in the swamp and the oil travels up to the head of the reed. And when it's ready for picking, the head becomes so heavy with oil that it leans over. And you know it's ready when it leans over halfway down its body. When it's bent over, now it's ready for use. And they pick the calamus and squeeze the oil out of it. Calamus stands for humility. Humility is coming before the Lord and willingly yielding yourself under His control. You come to the Lord and receive Him as your Savior. You come to the Lord and with meekness, you say, Lord, I'm gonna live under control. I'm gonna discipline my life. I'm gonna live upright. I'm gonna stand up for you. And while I'm standing up for you in my heart, I humbly bow under submission to your Lordship in my life. Amen? 
Then there's this fourth element. The fourth element was cassia. It was a leaf. They'd take the oil of it and it was used for cleansing. Cleansing. Because if you want the anointing of God upon your life, listen to me, you gotta receive the Lord. Live under self-control. Stand upright and live out your faith. Don't play the hypocrite. Mean it. Be serious about your faith. Humble your heart in service and live in a state of repentance. Cassia means cleansing. How many have read the words of David, the psalmist, when he prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. Search my thoughts. And God, if there's any wicked way inside me, cleanse me. How many of you today would say, God, look in my heart and cleanse me? There's no anointing if there's no repentance. God doesn't want you to add a little Jesus to your life. He wants you to surrender your life and let him cleanse you and live inside you. Why did Jesus say it'd be better for you if I go away? Because when he was here with the disciples, he could walk with them. He could get in a boat with them. He could go into Jairus' home with them. He could feed the thousands with them on the mountainside. But you know what? One thing he could not do for the disciples, he could not get on the inside of them and cleanse their soul. You know why it's better for you now that Jesus has ascended to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit? It's because if our hearts are repentive, the Holy Spirit doesn't just come with us. The Holy Spirit moves in us. Thank you for joining us today for the Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our blog, watch past sermons, or find other great resources, check us out at chrisvaught.net, and then check us out on social media. Then tune in again next week, and we will open our Bibles and together pursue after the heart of God. Thank you again for joining us at The Pursuit.